If you would look with me in the book of Luke, for some weeks now we've been on a a series that we're calling The Word of Power. The Word of Power. We talked about prior to that faith in the power. And now we're, this is actually a follow on series to that, the word of power. In Luke, the fourth chapter and the 22nd verse, talking about Jesus, it said, all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Verse 32, same chapter, they were astonished at his doctrine or his teaching, for his word was with power. Astonished is a strong word. They weren't just intrigued. They were what? Astonished. Astonished. At what? At the way he spoke. The words that he spoke. Verse 33, there was a man that had a a spirit and cried out. And verse 35, Jesus rebuked him and said, hold your peace and come out. Verse 36, they were all amazed. And they spoke among themselves and said, what a word is this? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. What a word is this? Then uh, in verse... uh, 37 and 38, he came to Simon's house, and Simon's mother-in-law was sick, and verse, they asked him to minister to her. Verse 39, Jesus stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered to them. So now you see multiple instances, references, just in this one same chapter of how powerful Jesus' words were. I mean, he he spoke to a fever, and it obeyed him. A fever. And we know if you read the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he spoke to the wind and waves, and they obeyed. He spoke to spirits, and they left. He spoke to all kinds of physical problems. He, He spoke to the dead, and they were raised. Now, anytime you say that, people will immediately say, well, yeah, but, you know, that's Jesus. You know, he's God. He can do that. Those statements are true, but you're leaving the wrong impression when you say that. You're implying he did it as God. And, of course, if he did that as God, I'm not God. You're not God. We can't do it. But he said he did it as a man. And he told us in John 14 that if you believe on him, the works he did, you would do also and greater works than those you would do. And whatever you would command or require in his name, he would do it. We've talked about this for some weeks now. And so Jesus had manifestations of power in his life and ministry. People were healed. People were delivered. Miracles happened. Amazing things happened. Nature was affected and stopped and changed. And amazing things happened when he spoke. The the, the manifestation of power was inseparable from his speaking, from the words he spoke. 
And so if we're going to have power manifestations in our life, it'll be the same way. The servant's not above his master or the student's not above his teacher. If we're going to have the kind of things that Jesus had in his life and ministry, they will happen the same way and they will be connected to our words, just like his were connected to his words. And this is something the enemy has fought so hard to confuse and keep hidden. And so most of the church does not pay attention to their words. Most of the church talks, for the most part, like the unsaved world. And says all kind of things that they don't mean, that they don't believe, that they don't want. Because they don't believe in the power of their words. You know, the proverb says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Well, most people don't believe that. Why would you say that, Brother Keith? Well, you can tell by the way they talk. If you really believed that when you said something, it affected your life, there were certain things you would not say. You just would not say it. And so... uh, You know, like, that just kills me. (laughs) Oh, you're killing me. You know? And if you notice, like we said, so many of the popular songs are like, you know, I'm going crazy, I'm losing my mind, you're driving me out of my mind, you know? Notice how much of this is, that's not an accident. The enemy has woven that in there. Because he knows if he can get that in your mouth, even though you don't believe it, it doesn't mean anything to you, faith comes by hearing. And you keep saying it, you keep, it's getting into you. A little bit here, a little bit there. And so the enemy is always, I mean every day of your life, trying to get something in your mouth that he can act on in your life. And the Spirit of God is trying to get something in your mouth. That he can act on. Who do you want to cooperate with? Come on, this this is not a trick question. Who do you want? Who do you want working in your life? Then you best get a hold of your mouth. How many have read James three? We talked about this about how the tongue is like the bit in the horse's mouth. It's like the rudder on the ship. What's he saying? Our mouths are steering our lives. If your life's going in the wrong direction, if your car's going in the wrong direction, what do you do? You don't just press the accelerator and go, I don't want to go this way. I really don't. I don't want to go this way. (laughs) Yeah, but turn the wheel. Oh, I can't turn the wheel because I'm going this way. I can't turn the wheel and say to go another way because this is the way I'm going. You've got to change something, right? If you want something to change. You keep doing the same things, it's not, you're not going to have any change. No, your mouth can turn the direction of your life. That's according to the Word of God. That's not some crazy idea. That's the way it's always been. God has created everything that exists by his words. 
You and I are created in the likeness and image of God. We're created speaking spirits. If you notice, that's one of the big difference between us and animals. They don't have this ability. Oh, they make sounds and what have you, and they have rudimentary communication between themselves, but they are not speaking spirits that can choose words and put faith or fear or love or spiritual quantities in these words and release them. That's a God-like ability. Are y'all with me, church? God-like ability. And the enemy knows this, and he wants you to use it against yourself. In ignorance. But let's listen to the word. Let's listen to the Lord. And let's make our tongues do a righteous duty. And do what they should. And let's get our words working for ourselves. Instead of against ourselves. Go with me if you would please to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 11. We've talked about this great verse. But I. I want to talk about it some more. Mark 11, Jesus, on his way to the temple, spoke to a tree. And uh, when he spoke to it, you couldn't tell that anything had changed. But then, 24 hours later, when they're coming back by that tree, the disciples remarked that it had dried up. And it dried up from the roots. Now a tree is a real physical thing. And it responded to words. Your trees will respond to words. Your flowers. Your grass. Don't curse it. Don't talk bad about it. Talk good over it. If you want it, if you want it to do well, it's pretty simple with this word thing. If you don't want it, don't say it. It really is. If you don't want it, you don't want it to be that way, don't call it that way. You don't want it to continue, quit saying it. Whatever that you want it to be, faith calls those things, even that be not yet, as though they were. Let the weak say, I'm strong. So if you're weak and you don't want to be weak, the last thing you want to say is, I just feel so weak. I've, just, I've been weak for months now and I don't know what's wrong with me. And it seems like I, I just get a little bit ahead and, and it, any, it takes nothing to knock the wind out of me. I just don't know what's wrong with it. Well, I know one big thing that's wrong with you. <laughs> Now, now, people get indignant over this. They get offended. Well, well, you're, you're not dealing with what I'm dealing with. And you don't know what I'm dealing with either. But that's beside the point. The word's either true or it's not. This either works or it doesn't. No, it makes all the difference what you are saying about your life, about your marriage. We just can't get along. I don't know. We've grown apart. Uh, yeah, you're how quiet it got. Mm. <laughs> the thrill is gone. No, that's a blues song. That's <laughs> what? 
Have you ever heard the Lord talk like that in the scriptures? The disciples, the apostles would faint and fall out if Jesus got up one morning and said, I just don't think I can make it. You would never hear him say something like that. Ever. Never. You'd never hear him say, these Pharisees, these scribes, these doctors of the law, I just can't take it anymore. Now, now see, we're so used to that, we've heard it so much, it just sounds normal. But it's also why things are the way they are. And if you want what everybody else has, and you want your life to be like theirs, then you just talk like everybody else. But if you want to have intervention by the Holy Spirit, if you want God to get all in your business then he's got to get in your mouth first. You've got to say words that he has said, agree with him. What did he say? He didn't say you can't. He said you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He didn't say everything is overcoming you. He said greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. He didn't say you can't pay your bills. He said he meets all your needs according to his riches. And you got to talk this way Tuesday evening at your house. Not just Sunday morning when I'm waving at you and saying talk this way. You got to talk this way when you're by yourself. When the pressure is on. Because you will be pushed to say the wrong thing. There'll be times you'll be so tempted and so pushed to complain and grumble and talk fear and unbelief. You'll have to bite your lip. Keep from doing it. You may have to catch yourself in mid-sentence and go, no, 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 no. Now, I don't believe that. This is what I believe. And fix it. Fix it right there. Give the enemy nothing to work with. Don't give him a word that he can bring to pass in your life. Don't agree with him about anything. Those thoughts that are coming to you, coupled with those terrible feelings coming to you, they're coming from him. You're a failure. You can't make it. You're dumb. You're stupid. You're never going to amount to anything. This is not going to happen. You'll never get the money. Never, all of this kind of stuff. The reason he keeps pushing you, he can't just make that happen because he brought that to you. He wants to bring it to you a thousand times in a day until you've heard it so much and you didn't resist it until you heard, you're not going to make it. 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 And after three days of that, you open up your mouth and you say, I don't think I'm going to make it. Now he's got something to work with because it's not just him bringing something to you. You're agreeing with him. And he has a right. But no, you want something needs to rise up inside you when something says, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You say, oh yeah, I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. We we just got through talking about that today. I'm going to run my entire race. I'm going to finish my course with joy. Hallelujah. You're not going to have enough. You're not going to have enough. Once in a while, I'll, I'll say something to shake things up. The thought will come, y'all are not going to have enough. I'll go, you're right, you're right, you're right. We've got more than enough. We have more. 
We're going to have more than enough. We're going to have more than enough. We're going to have way more than enough. We, see, we don't just make these confessions in the front of the service just to be doing something. They're just routine. I mean, this is how you live. This is how you steer your life down the right course. You get it out of the problem and into the answer. You begin to say, I call every bill paid. I call every need met. I call every debt paid off. And that's got nothing to do with your pocketbook or your checking account or how you look or how you feel. The strongest faith is when it doesn't look like it. And you're saying it anyway. Somebody said out loud, I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How about your marriage? How about your family? My family is blessed. My marriage is blessed. What about your spouse? Wonderful. They're a gift of God. Now it doesn't matter if they acted like a heathen this morning. Do you want to live with a heathen forever? Then you better give the Lord something to work with. They are And people tend to rise or fall to what you say about them. You know, man, you should never say things like, you're no kind of man, I can't live with you. You're no kind of woman, I can't. I mean, the enemy is always pushing people to get upset, to get mad, to where they just start saying things and not even realize what they're saying. And it can be arrows that pierce hearts and hurt. But the thing is, before you start judging the other person, have you done that? Have you said things that were undermining to them, that were derogatory to them? Because, I mean, the last thing we should do is agree with the enemy against each other. What husbands and wives should do on a regular basis is when they they realize the enemy's pushing him against her and her against him and these thoughts and feelings and you're just noticing all the problems you need to realize the enemy's trying to hurt us let's join together against him yeah. instead of letting him play us against each other let's say oh no devil we know what you're doing and you join together against him there's no such thing as the perfect marriage with no issues and the perfect spouse that's just amazing and wonderful and needs no development, you got flesh. You got flesh too. I just don't know that they're, you know, giving me everything I need. Well, how are you doing? How, How are you giving, what are you giving them besides continual critiques and criticism? And if all you sow is critiques and criticism, guess what you're going to reap? Hundredfold critiques and criticism. But what if you sowed compliments? What if you sowed encouragement? I want you to say out loud, Lord, forgive me for saying hard words, ungodly words, unbelieving words. And I ask you to open my eyes. Help me to see the people around me through your eyes, to see them the way you see them, and value them the way you value them. 
there are precious things in each other that you won't see unless you have eyes to see it. Do you remember that Jesus in his own hometown, they rejected him out of hand. They had no respect for him and his ministry. Well, you couldn't say it was because he was exhibiting some major flaws and problems. No. And yet they judged him after the flesh and made some wrong assumptions. But if they could have seen him through the father's eyes, what did the father say? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. If they could have seen right, they would have been so honored that they were in his presence instead of running him out of town. And so the same thing is true with us. Anybody can judge anybody after the flesh. There's all these imperfections and, and all of this stuff. But by faith, you can see further. You can begin to see what God sees. You can begin to see things inside people and qualities and valuable things. And if you'll talk those, then you're watering them and they will grow. Hallelujah. We're still talking about words. And you never speak bad things over your children. No matter how crazy they act. I just don't know if that boy is going to make it. Never say that. Never. Never. If they're not believing God, they need somebody helping them somewhere. And parents are the perfect one, and grandparents are the perfect ones. A lot of times they'll stay with people when other people won't. And so you hear a bad report about how crazy they're acting, it's time to talk some faith. Amen. Isn't it? Yes. It's time to say, I've prayed, and the Lord's heard our prayers, and he's working on them. Yes. Hallelujah. He's sending labors across their path, and their eyes and their ears are being opened up, and they're seeing truths. I mean, prophesy over them by faith. I'm not talking about you felt some big thing. By faith, you prophesy over them and you say, no, they're coming to light. They're coming to light. They're coming to enlightenment and and deliverance is working in their life. Hallelujah. Did you find Mark 11? Verse 22, after they brought to Jesus' attention that the tree that he's spoken to had been killed and died. He said, have faith in God. Verse 23. For verily I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Don't let this verse be over familiar to you. Who said it? Not Kenneth Hagin. Brother Kenneth Hagin didn't write this. This was around a long time before he ever came on the scene. Who said this? And he said this in connection with having faith in God and in connection with him speaking words that released power. So this is insight into, revelation and understanding into speaking 
power words. If you spoke to a mountain and it was removed, is that power? This is power, isn't it? These are power words. Do you believe Jesus could do that? Jesus could speak to a mountain and it would be removed. Well, yeah. And he spoke to the tree and, you know, sometimes people scoff and mock and go, that's just crazy talk. That's crazy talk. Well, what happened to the tree? What happened to that tree? And that was 24 hours. And so many times we, we think about everything happening in a moment of time. It doesn't have to happen in a moment of time. It could happen like this. You could look at it and go, mountain, you are blocking my view. You are in my way. I command you to be removed in Jesus' name. Now, when Jesus spoke to the tree, nothing changed that you could see or feel. And so it's possible. You spoke to the mountain, nothing changed that you could see or feel. But uh, 12 months later, geologists see some readings, and they come out and check and go, you know, this mountain is shrinking. (laughs) And then three years later, there's an earthquake, and part of it slides down. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't necessarily have to happen in a moment of time. And then 35 years later, it's more like a hill than it is a mountain. It's been reduced in size to a third. And 85 years later, nobody remembered it was a mountain. You know a mountain used to be over there? No. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So don't automatically think instantaneous total happening that's not what happened with Jesus in that tree it was a 24 hour period and it it started happening underground where you couldn't see and if you'd have been going by looking at the top and the leaves and everything you think well nothing happened nothing happened it did it happened in a realm you can't see and when things happen in that realm it's just a matter of time until they show up in the other realm So, this is understanding and revelation about how to talk with power. Look at it again like you've never seen it before. Mark 11, 23. Is Jesus telling us how to speak words of power? Words that release power that change even physical, material things like trees and mountains. Well, if it can change that, it can change your liver. Right? Or your kidneys. Or your blood. It can affect your finances. It can affect, like we said before, your marriage. Whatever the case might be. But here's the key to it. You've got to speak. One of the big keys is you have to say something. It's not just a matter of thinking about it or intending. You've got to open your mouth and you've got to make sounds in this world. That's part of it. So you've got to say to the issue. 
in this case the mountain. Be removed. You're not, this is not prayer. You're talking to the thing you want to change and you're telling it what to do. And what else? And shall not doubt in his heart. But, or in other words, but shall believe in his heart. That those things which he saith, so you had to say something, will come to pass. And if you'll do that, you, Jesus said, you will have whatever it was that you said. This ought to excite us. This ought to excite us. We're like, really? Really? That means I can command my leg and it'll change? That means I can command my finances? We were in Houston, the, was it Tuesday night of our meeting? We had scores of miracles. Hallelujah. We had everything from ears and eyes to people that couldn't move a foot or an arm. I mean, we had scores of things happen. Hallelujah. And again and again, it was that. Be loosed. Be healed. Be strong. Be restored. Isn't that how God created things? Light. Be. That's a small word, but man can have a big power. Be means become, be changed, be removed. You know what he said right here, Mark eleven twenty three. 23? What did he say? What's the first word? You say to the mountain what? Be. be. Everybody say be. 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 You need to be using that word. Be. Be. Become this. Be changed. Be made. Be. But it's not just saying it that's going to make it happen. I said it's not just saying it. You got to say it. But something else has to happen. What else has to happen? If you'll say it. And what else? Not doubt in your heart. But believe. In other words believe in your heart. That the things that you said. Will come to pass. Then you'll have what you say. And what we see is the heart-mouth connection. We've already talked about this, that Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are truth. Excuse me, and, and, and life. They're spirit and life. So we talked about there are spirit words that are power, and then they're just flesh, empty words that are nothing. And so these are words that are not coming from the heart. These are words you don't believe. These are words you don't mean. And there's no power in them. If there's going to be power in them, the words have to be connected to your heart. you got to believe something. And you have to believe it to the point where you're no longer doubting it. You're no longer questioning it. You are convinced I said you're convinced of something and so that's the two big reasons why people don't have results with words of power is one not saying things and two saying it but not believing it you got to believe what you say in Romans 10 if you'd look at that Romans 10 9 and 10 Romans 10, 9, and 10 talks about how you get born again. 
And it talks about this same thing. If you'll confess with what? Your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and what else you got to do? Believe where? Where? You don't believe God with your head. You don't believe God with your intellect. Faith is not intellectual. It's spiritual. You believe God with your heart. That God has raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. So is it possible for somebody to confess Jesus with their mouth and not be saved? Yeah, it is. If they don't believe it in their heart. Verse 10. For with the heart. Everybody say with the heart. With the heart. With the heart. Man believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This describes a manifestation of power. Power was manifested to recreate your human spirit. You weren't healed spiritually, you were recreated. When you obey, it's one of the greatest miracles you will ever receive. You were recreated. And how did it happen? It happened when you released faith-filled words. Power was manifested. And you were born again. Oh, hallelujah. That's the same way you can be healed. That's the same way you can have your needs met. Same way. But the words were not just from your throat. And the words were not just out of your head. The words were from believing in your heart. Somebody say, believe in your heart. Say with your mouth, power is manifested. Somebody say, well, I said it, but nothing happened. Well, what immediately should you check? Just saying it. The Lord didn't say everything you said had come to pass. He said, if you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe in your heart that what you said happens. Go back to Mark 11. This past, a lot of times we've stopped at that verse, but these other verses go with this. Verse 23. He said, whoever will say, so you got to say, to the mountain be removed, be cast into the sea, not doubt in his heart, so you, your heart's. It uh, can't be full of doubts. You've got to believe those things that you say will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. If what you said happened, that's the same kind of thing Jesus walked in. What he said happened. And Matthew 21 is Matthew's account of this. And that's how Matthew recorded it. Is that Jesus said they were talking about him speaking to that tree. And he said to the disciples. If you have faith and doubt not. You will not only do what's done to the fig tree. But if you said to the mountain. So he's telling them. They could do what he did. And not just them. It's recorded for all of us. All believers. Keep reading. Verse 24. Therefore I say to you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. So the faith principle works similarly whether you're commanding and speaking or whether you're praying and receiving something from God. Verse 25. And, so he wasn't through talking. And when you stand praying, do what? 
forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Verse 26, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. What does this have to do with Mark 11, 23 and 24? Why say and? While you're standing praying your prayer of faith. Forgive. Why say that? Is it connected? Why? One of the big reasons is because if my word's going to have any power. I have to believe it in my heart. What would be the problem with not forgiving somebody? It's going to cause you a problem in your heart. The same heart you're supposed to be believing with. Can you see this? And what is, what's the thing has to happen for my word to have any power? I have to be completely confident that what I'm saying comes to pass. Well, are there things that can undermine my confidence? Then that will depower my words. Can you see this, church? If it undermines my confidence, then my words will be powerless. Go with me, if you would, to 1 John. First epistle of John. And the second chapter. Thanks be to God. Are we making progress? There are some people who think they tried that faith stuff and it didn't work. And so they're looking for something else now. And they think they've moved on. And there's even people that talk about, you know, well, there was a faith movement, but now that's passed. And God's doing a new thing. Uh Uh-huh. No. No. This all worked the same before there was an earth. Before there were human beings. God has operated this way. He believes something in his heart. He says it with his mouth. And power is released. You and I are made in his likeness and image. That's the only way we're going to start being victorious and ruling and reigning in life is when we start doing this. We start believing in our heart and saying things with our mouth. Well, the enemy knows this. And the enemy is actually afraid of this. And so he works continually to keep people ignorant of this. Or if he can't keep them ignorant, to keep them in some form of guilt or condemnation because he knows if they don't have confidence when they speak, it won't matter that they spoke. And why would it be that the New Testament commandment is to love? Many reasons why, but one of them is the Lord knows if we don't walk in love, faith works by love. If we don't walk in love, no matter what we say, our heart's going to bother us about it if we treat people badly. 
If we won't forgive people, if we hold things against people, if we do things against people, even if you try to pretend it didn't happen, your heart knows and your heart will still bother you. And if your heart's bothering you, that undermines your confidence. Condemnation is the confidence killer. And if you got no confidence when you say things, it'll be a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. It'll just, it'll be hollow. There's no power in it. Because it's got to be something from a heart that is confident. Not doubting your heart, but believing your heart. Then when you say it, there's some power in it. 1 John 2 and 20, he said, you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Skip down to verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things in his truth, and is no lie, even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. Now, one thing you'll see, the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. And one of the worst things you can do to mess up the power of your words is to tell a lie. Because, again, what's that going to result in? It's going to result in your heart bothering you. And have, did you notice Mark eleven twenty three 23, that you have to believe what you say. If you believe. If you say something and you believe that what you say comes to pass, you'll have what you say. Well, if you know you lie half the time, then you don't trust yourself. You know you. And so you don't have confidence in your words. Anything that undermines your confidence is going to depower your words. 1 John 3, if you'd look over there, please. 1 John 3 and 20. He said, for if our heart condemn us. Now, this is not the Spirit of God condemning you. You, I've heard people before say, oh, man, you know, the Holy Ghost really condemned me about some things in there today. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. That was your own heart. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. He will convince you. Convince you. Of what's true and right. He won't condemn you. That's your own heart. If our heart condemn us. God's greater than our heart. And knows all things. So what does that mean? It means. Don't try to hide anything from him. He already knows it. If your heart's bothering you about something, you don't want to go on and pretend like it's not. You want to see how quickly you can get to him and repent and get it right. He already knows. Somebody say, he already knows. He already knows. You, you can't hide anything from him. If our heart condemns us, God's greater than our heart. and He knows all things. Verse 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then... Have we, or we have, confidence toward God. Keep going. And whatever we ask, and you can say this, and whatever we say, we receive of him. 
Why? Because there's no condemnation, there's just confidence. Because we keep his commandments, well, the greatest commandment is to love and to do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Again, this is not just so you can be a goody-goody Christian. You want to live in such a way where you're obeying him, obeying him, that keeps your heart clear. And when your heart is clear of all condemnation and guilt and shame, then you can speak with confidence. And when you speak with confidence, you're going to speak with power. And this goes back to the thing, the, one of the reasons why a lot of people won't even speak to begin with. They won't even begin to make an effort to make a faith command because they just, they're full of condemnation. And one reason is because condemnation is preached in some churches. We're all just old sinners, they say. Saved by grace. We hope. We hope we're saved. I'm saying what people say. And there's this, this constant bombardment about how short we've come and, and how terrible we are and, and all how unholy and unrighteous and everything else. Well, that's exactly what the enemy wants you to believe. So that you have zero confidence to say or pray. And he can just keep you defeated. But we're learning. I said we're learning. We're growing. We have made mistakes. Plenty. But the blood either makes you clean or it doesn't. The washing of the water of the word, the regenerating of the Holy Spirit, the cleansing of the blood, and the giving of the gift of the righteousness of God in Christ either makes us innocent or it doesn't. And if it does, I don't have to be full of guilt. I don't have to be full of shame. I, I don't have to be condemned. Can you see, friends, we've got to get rid of the condemnation if we're going to have any power in our life, any power in our words, which is why he would say, speak to the mountain, don't doubt, but believe you'll have what you say. When you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. And while you're doing this, if your heart's bothering you about something, come on, can you see this? While you're doing this, if your heart's bothering you about it, you need to forgive somebody, do it. Do it now. Why? Because you're trying to release faith in, in a, a confession or a command or a prayer, and you can't do it if your heart's bothering you. If there's condemnation there, you won't have any power in your words. So you can't separate the word of power from righteousness, consciousness, and from obedience. Now you might say, well, Jesus has already paid for all my sins and, and, and everything's been taken care of, so that's nothing else needs to be done. That's nothing else needs to be done to pay for it. But you have to receive it. If your heart is bothering you, how are we going to get that to stop? Not by pretending you didn't mess up. Not by hiding it. Not by covering it. Not by ignoring it. How do you fix that? 
Well, that's the third chapter of 1 John. First chapter of John, he'd already dealt with it. What do you do? You confess it. You come to the Father and you confess that I I didn't forgive. You confess I, I didn't do this. And you don't wallow in some kind of shame or guilt. You receive your forgiveness. Come on, y'all with me. You, th- this is not about the Lord taking care of your sin. He's already done that. This is about you getting rid of this condemnation in your heart. Yes, that's right. And you've got to receive the forgiveness. You've got to receive the cleansing and washing of the water of the word and the, and the blood. You've got to receive it. Receive it. And if you genuinely receive it and you, re- you believe what he said, he said, if you do that, you'll be forgiven You'll be cleansed from all unrighteousness. What does that mean? You should have no condemnation. None. Somebody say none. 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 We've all made lots of mistakes. Some seem to be a lot more grievous than others. But we've made them. But do you have to be ashamed over them right now? Or for the rest of your life? You're either forgiven or you're not. You either cleansed or you're not. And it's all a matter of receiving it. And oh friends, when it dawns on you that God, when he looks at you, he's not embarrassed of you. He's not ashamed of you. When he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. He sees you clean. He sees you Holy, not because of your performance, but because you have repented if you needed to, and you have received. You have received. Then, friend, when that becomes real to you, and you have submitted yourself to God in this regard, you will have boldness to resist the enemy and speak bold words of faith, hallelujah, and be absolutely confident that what you say happens. And when you do that, power will be manifested. Things don't always just blow up in a moment of time, but power is released and things begin to change. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.